welcome to issue eight of Short Box Summary. I'm your host, George. Joining me again, can't keep a good man down, loves reading comics, loves talking comics. Thank you so much for being here as we explore comics. Fabio. How you doing, Fabio? Hi. Wow. My name is so long. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm doing well. Um, Very excited for this because... I haven't read any Jessica Jones before. I haven't read a lot of the um, the characters <laughs> that are involved in this story. So I'm just, I'm, I'm super excited to talk about it and get some more info. Very cool. Well, before we put the cart in front of the horse, we are here to talk about The Pulse. Uh, we talked about The Pulse, the first five issues, and that was a fun story, right? Where we, we found out the Green Goblin and Norman Osborn were the same person. Uh, we're doing something different today. This is the first tie-in we've ever talked about on Shortbox Summary. And a tie-in is basically additional supplemental material that adds to the narrative of another another story. So this is the tie-in to Secret War, that event that we talked about with Nick Fury, who may or may not have, but definitely did commit war crimes. That was by Brian Michael Bendis and Gabriel Delato. Uh, we are talking about The Pulse, baby. And that was written by Brian Michael Bendis. And it had art by, sorry, Brent <laughs> my Anderson. notes my notes are all shuffled and there's so many different artists who work on this series. Brent Anderson. Thank you. Okay, that's the one. And so we're talking about a tie-in. Uh, Fabio, what's your experience with tie-ins? Because I know it's either something everyone loves about comics or something everyone hates about comics. Where, where do you stand? It's definitely on the hate side. Um, yeah, I, no, I get that. Yeah, I... Uh, <laughs> They're really interesting, but with most comics, you have to uh, be reading a lot of different series at the same time. And then the thing that happens is you open up a series that is tied in and then you realize you don't know what that character was just up to. And it's somehow important to the story, to the tie in. And then you just keep going further back and back. You don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. So that happens a lot of the times with tie ins for me. So I usually just steer clear of them. I did read uh, a lot of the Blackest Night, uh, Brightest Day comics um, and did a lot of the tie-ins for that one. I don't know why I was so into that comic series, but at the time it was just it was just marketed really heavily. So I, I think I was just curious. It was marketed really heavily. It was marketed really well, too. It was. Yeah. They pitched it as like a trilogy because that one started with Green Lantern Rebirth. That was Jeff Johns and Ethan Van Syver. And they brought Hal Jordan back from the dead, basically made him relevant again in the DC universe. And then like 20 issues after that, they did the Sinestro Corps War, which was like a crossover between Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps. And that was a super fun series. And then at the end of Green Lantern uh, Corps, I think, or like the end of that uh, tie of that, the, that crossover, there was like a trailer basically, where it was just like a whole bunch of like disparate images that like loosely made sense. And there was like some thin narrative, um, plugged in there and they just hyped up blackest night as an event that'd be coming to dc in like a year and a half and so it's just it was the closest thing i've seen to like a a comic book trailer and it it was super cool and i get why you grab those tie-ins because a lot of those tie-ins were like mini series it was like it wasn't happening in the main batman series it was happening in like batman blackest night issues one through three jsa blackest night one through three and i actually prefer that I, i like it being a little bit more organized like that yes that said when it's not crossing over into like the main series it feels significantly less important that's fair yeah but i mean like 
for instance, like I had, you know, Red Lantern Corp issue number zero and one and two, you know what I mean? So it was like, it was really easy to know where to start with that. And um, I don't know if that series ended up, you know, tumbling off into its own thing later on, but um, I do like having time. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I I did like having the tie-ins. I get why tie-ins are important. Um, I get why they're fun, why they can tell like an alternative perspective uh, in a way that like most other mediums can't do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can't really tell too many alternative perspectives with movies uh i think that would get boring (laughs) like if you have like imagine if like every tie-in was like somehow linked to a scene a very specific scene in every single marvel movie where it was like you would see like the scene for the third time by the fourth movie or something like that you know like where you just keep seeing the same thing over and over again from different perspectives like it would take way too long and too it's too much it's like in in avengers endgame you know how like the rat steps on the van that like releases scott pym from uh or not is it scott Scott lang sorry scott Scott lang Lang, from the uh the miniverse or whatever it's just like what if we got a tv series that was just about that rat you like that that's basically what a tie-in does right let's fill fill in the blanks for what this person was doing while the other shit was popping off yeah yeah um and i think that there's room for it maybe more with like tv shows you know um, oh for sure i, I don't think but, we're done experimenting with tv formats yet yeah I hope we're not. yeah no definitely not um i mean if we went from like fucking i love lucy to like game of thrones know, game of thrones <laughs> yeah. yeah it's uh it's a bit different but yeah i don't know i uh not super big fan of tie-ins um uh, they usually just stress me out uh, but this one's really nice and compact, and fortunately, George put it together so that uh, we knew exactly where to fucking start and where to yeah. end, and you know what things matter. But I had no idea what this story tied into, and we'll probably get into that later at the end. But cool, yeah, we we absolutely will. Uh, before we get into that, though, we got to talk about something, and that was the logistics nightmare of of making this tie-in work. So there was a whole bunch of delays for the main Secret Wars series. The first issue came out February 4th in 2004. The second issue came out May 26th in 2004. The third issue didn't come out until October 13th, 2004. The fourth issue wouldn't come out until March of 2005. Jeez. And the final issue wouldn't come out until December of 2005. So there was a whole bunch of delays that kind of takes the wind out of the sails. And there was a tie-in series. It was this series, this four-issue run on the Pulse that we're about to talk about. And then issue number six came out November 10th, 2004. Issue seven wouldn't come out until January of 2005. Eight wouldn't come out until March 30th. And then uh, issue nine wouldn't come out until June 8th. And the reason we stopped there is because issue 10 of the Pulse is a tie-in to a completely different event. That's a tie-in to yeah. House of M. So that's... Yeah. the My rule of thumb, generally, with tie-ins is if I'm really bored, I'll read. A, I'll grab a bunch of them. Otherwise, if I'm not really bored and I'm not really enjoying the event, I will just stick to the like the work that's done either by like the main author. Because unfortunately, like just the way the comic book industry is, you don't have... like. It would be cool if like artists could do like multiple times, but that's just like way too time consuming. But uh, the writers tend to have a little bit more uh, time on their hands. And so if there's 
another book like this book, for example, was written by Brian Michael Bendis, the main architect behind Secret War. So I will always grab side books written by the main author of the main series yeah, or just yeah. authors that I trust in general yeah, or, or artists that I care about. So like if Brian Hitch, for whatever reason, is doing a tie-in book, like I am all over that book. He is like one of the best living artists working in comics today. If Jason Aaron is writing War of Realms and Thor, like I'm grabbing both of those just to get the full perspective on on what event he wanted to spin. And that rule follows for House of M. Uh, sorry, for for Secret War. I'm so excited. House of M is on the <laughs> And that's like the first big annualized event we're going to talk about. And it's I can see it. We're so close to like actually being able to talk about that book. I can't friggin' wait. Yeah, no, and I, I do like having like uh, finding uh, writers that you do enjoy because then you know exactly where to pick up. Like I'm going to be getting Nightwing, you know, the series, uh, the, 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 just the just the issues that Tom Taylor wrote. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of just gives you a nice starting point of, of just being like, fuck it, everything else that happened before this, I'll just move on. and like. Yeah, that's what that's what Wikipedia is for, right? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Uh, which I'm also too lazy to do, so makes this frustrating but thanks george for putting this together yeah no problem thanks for thanks for reading stuff all right uh let's jump into it so we are talking about issue six of the pulse and it opens with jess confronting wolverine apologizing to him and then suddenly he pops his claws at her throat he starts crying and collapses back into his chair uh the next page flashes back to a week earlier and we see jess and luke's apartment explode from a street level perspective this is the inciting incident that happened at the beginning of Secret War. Jess rushes to uh, Luke to the hospital, and the doctor has nothing but bad news. Luke is a tough-as-hell hero because his skin is unbreakable, but that unbreakable skin makes it super hard for doctors to operate on him. She's pulled away by police who are taking her statement. She recounts the opening of Secret War when a woman in her apartment goes Nova and blasts Luke Cage all to hell. Uh, let's see. Well, uh, taking her statement, the cops ask if Jess is a mutant trying to protect a woman who did this, since in their logic, mutants look out for each other and protect one another. It turns out she just doesn't know what happened to her at all. She doesn't understand that she is the victim in Nick Fury's political domino that is knocking every piece over. Uh, Iron Fist eventually shows up for support. Nick Fury shows up just to feel guilty. Then Cap shows up to beat the shit out of Fury. Jess calls Yurik, her co-worker from the Daily Bugle and the Pulse, uh, to fill him in when a giant-ass bomb explodes outside the hospital. Rushing through the hospital, she can't find Luke, and she's completely alone. And that is the first issue of the tie-in. So that's treading pretty familiar ground. Yeah, it's an uh, alternative view of what was mm-hmm. going on, I guess, like from the ground level um, of everything else we already had known. And then it kind of breaks that as well. Cause the cap shows up. <laughs> yeah. And so we get to see an extended scene where he just kicks the shit out of fury, which is always nice. Always nice is Jessica Jones a mutant? What's her, what's her origin story? I, I, I remember watching the show, but I don't even remember them discussing it. I can't remember. So she was created in her own series, alias, AKA Jessica Jones. And this was happening kind of a lot. Um, I think that the issue of Shortbox Summary just released that talked about the Sentry. And Fabio, you haven't heard that yet because I haven't published it yet as we're recording this, but it's about to come out next Wednesday. Mm, yeah, for, first episode of the new year. Uh, but there are a whole bunch of stories about characters who were basically created and acting like they had been around forever. So they were just like retroactively placed into the Marvel Universe. 
And so she was uh, a burnout, basically, where like she had a taste of the superhero life. She it wasn't as glamorous as she thought it would be. So she just kind of faded out and still had superpowers. She is not a mutant. Um, I think it was oh God, I, I think it was like some kind of like chemical accident, not unlike Daredevil. Uh, that gave her her powers and she's got super strength, limited flight, uh, slight invulnerability. She's just tough as hell. But then she just eventually became like a, a private detective dealing with her own demons and her own traumatic life. Uh, a- Alias, AKA Jessica Jones is a great book. I think it's 27 issues and it's totally worth checking out. And my favorite thing about rereading Brian Michael Bendis books is that they are really breezy. Like they generally read pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And he always gets kick-ass artists, so everything looks just pretty gorgeous. Uh, so she was, like, made to be, like, a, a one-time Avenger who just left that life behind, and that's sort of her story. Okay. Yeah, and they kind of reference that a little bit into this book, too. Um, like, her affiliation, the S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that. Um, yeah, and they definitely talked about that in the earlier issues of The Pulse, too. Oh, okay, okay. Her, her past. Um yeah, so that was the first issue. That was issue six. Uh, issue seven, Jess is sleeping in the bombed-out rubble of her apartment when Ben Urich finds her. She catches him up to speed. The way she's speaking, the speed and the cadence, she sounds insane. She is clearly in shock, upset, and sleep-deprived. Urich is sympathetic and supportive, but when Jess mentions Cap and Fury were there and he uh, he bites hard, now he smells a story behind some supervillain with an axe to grind. She takes him to the hospital where everything went down and Yurik is in disbelief that so much destruction happened and he didn't hear about it. He calls the paper to see what they did here and they're pointed to the pier where the climax of Secret War happened. At the pier, they pay a homeless guy for info who confirms there's a big-ass superpowered fight the night before between just the people they're looking for. Jess calls every hero she knows and can't get a hold of any of them. With no more leads, they head back to the Bugle and fill in Jameson and Robbie Robertson, the editor-in-chief. Jameson shows a complete disinterest in helping Jess and leaves the room. Robbie explains, quote, Nick Fury gets a pass from us. We look the other way. All of us. The media. And this is probably why we haven't seen anything about this from anyone else but you. This is why the press isn't covering it. Because either Fury doesn't want us to, or because we hear the name and look the other way. Nick Fury runs S.H.I.E.L.D. Nick Fury is S.H.I.E.L.D. He's the most powerful man on Earth, running the most powerful espionage organization on Earth. If he wants something to stay secret, it must stay secret. If Fury's involved, we look the other way because we just assume that thousands of lives or basic freedoms are very much at stake. End quote. Assumptions, assumptions, assumptions. <laughs> Disgusted by the paper's inability to do anything, Jess runs out of the paper, absolutely heartbroken. She loses Yurik and heads to private detective Misty Knight's apartment for help. She passes out on Misty's stoop when three men in suits come upon her unconscious body. Before grabbing her, they say, Hail Hydra, and everything fades to black. They're so fucking corny, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> like, who the fuck? Like, come on. Like, it's just bad writing. It's like every Russian just being like, you know, honor to the motherland or some stupid shit, you know? Like, it's yeah. just like some very, like, cheesy shit. Just, it, it's it's surface level, but it also does a really good job of letting you know who they are. <laughs> so, I, yeah. that's one thing I that's one thing I think I really appreciate about comics, is they're incredibly campy a lot of the time, and I, I do kind of like that. I think this is the era where it it beca- it's still campy, but it's like campy in service of something way more sinister, which I think makes it really awkward, it, it, but like in like a good way that like makes me uncomfortable, where like there is like all these 
themes from like childhood that like you remember but it's like in service of something dark and weird because like we're gonna cover some books on this on this show like we're gonna cover spider-woman's secret origin soon and like that is just so fucked up and that involves hydra and it's just one of those things like oh you mean like those can't be like those weird dudes and like the green skin suits like they were this fucked up the entire time you're like that's what they were doing like they weren't just like robbing banks to make death lasers it's like no they were actually doing like some severe gene therapy and like human rights abuses (laughs) like interesting and so, like, all that stuff gets unpacked in, in these books. And so, like, I understand it's campy. I understand it's cheesy. It is, like, really surface-level shit. Like, you're totally right about, like, Russians, where it's just, like, oh, like, he's Russian because he called me comrade and he sounded angry when he said it. That has got right. That guy's got to be Russian. Uh, I, I totally 100% get that. Yeah, but I yeah. think comic books also do a great job of using stereotypes to sort of save real estate because you only have 22 pages to work with you know in, in a comic story and so just by saying hail hydra it's just like oh shit we know exactly who these people are we know it's pretty bad that they just found an unconscious jessica jones right right and we can only assume the worst thing is going to happen because of the stereotype of hydra agents yeah no i i get that uh, nonetheless some corny motherfuckers oh my god the Um, worst yeah yeah just like real nazis (laughs) um so i had a question uh there's a panel where jessica jones grabs you know what the local paper is for the day for the daily bugle Mm -hmm. and uh it's hulk smash arizona turns into monster mayhem again is that like somehow tied into like another hulk comic around that time i'm curious if hulk ever comes to arizona because i want to read that weird ass book there's a i mean he spends a lot of time i think he's from technically either from like new mexico or arizona because he's from like an old like like nuclear uh nuclear testing site i mean we definitely got those here in arizona so yeah okay he goes into the desert a lot Uh, around this time there's man it was actually i've been reading a lot of just like random books that like i couldn't afford when i was in high school but thankfully have access to now that I've got Marvel Unlimited. We're not and sponsored. Man, there's just, yeah, not, not sponsored. God, I wish we were sponsored. Uh, there were so <laughs> many just like fun little tie-in books that just like, you know, there's like an 18 issue series all about Emma Frost and like her being in like middle school through high school and college. There was a Nightcrawler series that was like literally, there was one like two issue arc where he was just trying to help the ghost who died building the subway a hundred years ago, get wow. reparations for, like the cover up of their deaths like on the construction site so it's just him talking to ghosts and i'm just like well this is a weird book i'm really fucking into it and uh there was just a whole bunch of like little hulk miniseries that were coming out at the time and there was one really fun one starring the thing in a three-part series and he manages to tie that into uh to the hulk and just them seeing who the strongest person is and Man, it was just, it was such a fun time to be reading comics and it's so cool that marvel unlimited now lets you like search by year yeah yeah which is awesome because i've just been going through i've been making a list of everything i remember wanting to read when i was in high school but couldn't afford and just adding it to a a spreadsheet just being like okay gonna check out uh, marvel nemesis the imperfects because i remember having (laughs) a video game and i wasn't gonna buy a comic book series that cost half as much as the video game didn't have that in me but i'll do it it now for sure yeah yeah no it's so much easier now um it's uh it, it, like i don't need that i think that that's what always made comics so inaccessible as well it's like you have to hope that you can find it you know yeah. um and now it's it's a lot more accessible with like 
trade. Volume. It was easier then, like in terms of like physical books, uh, because they were cheaper and there was, I think, just like generally less interest in comics. Sure. Yeah. Now, especially like in the pandemic, there's just so many scalpers. Like the amount of times, like I've seen a book that I bought in the past year for cover price just on sale on Facebook or eBay for. $25 like it's all like reprint stuff of like you know Spider-Man 287 the first appearance of Amazing Spider-Man in the symbiote uh, costume and it's like okay that, that book is $4 and it came out six months ago like why are you selling it for $30 now on eBay? are people just, buying it uh, that I don't know and so like yeah you're right that, that's one thing to consider is just like okay the value of what someone says versus the value of what they can get for it. those are two different things <laughs> yeah uh, however it's just like oh god like I don't know. It'd be really cool if a no, fucking child could read that comic, you know, and just like have a yeah a better day. But sure, I'm glad you're making your nut or not making your nut by selling a, a reprint for thirty bucks. I hope they're not having... making any nuts. I hope there's no nutting around them at all ever. Yeah, I hope it's a middle school, no nuts, right? Yeah. Don't they? Allergies. I was saying right? that I hope that they have a sexless life, but yeah. Oh, I was I was talking about like food nuts that they didn't want to. Oh, eat. I was being crude. Sorry. Uh, we had a kid in my middle school who was allergic to uh, latex, so we had to stop using certain types of erasers. And so God, I assume that couldn't even have balloons. <laughs> couldn't have balloons. Couldn't have erasers. I assume there's got to be some schools with enough kids allergic to nuts where they're like, just don't bring, like, leave your fucking almonds at home. Yeah, I think that's a thing. I think you're That's not allowed to. Thing. Well, a lot of kids aren't allowed to share food. There's like, I don't know how they enforce that. If there's like cameras watching them or like, just like I don't know how you do that, man. Security officers just fucking watching them, slapping their hands. I don't know how they do it, but. Cracking a beer because we're recording this on New Year's Eve and it's just going to be that kind of podcast. Oh, yeah. But right. I don't know how you're not supposed to share food because like there's a reason Lunchables come with uh, two pizzas so you can make a buddy with the second pizza. Is that what that's for? I thought uh, there's no way a Lunchable yeah. could fill me. Like not even like if I ate him all by myself. That's not enough. What if you were? What if? What if you were a little eight year old? You little 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 thin as a rail. I used you. to eat the whole fucking thing. Okay. All right. Yeah. I didn't know you what shared those. I thought those were just. I mean, I never snacks. had them. I, I never, I never had Lunchables. Yeah, I, I got them lunch. every once in a while. It was, it I was, was a hot lunch fancy. kid. Yeah. Fancy. I was a whatever was at home kid. That's right. You were homeschooled. Yeah. Yeah. Issue number eight. Issue number eight. Part Jessica three. wakes up. <laughs> Part three. Jessica wakes up in an airplane hangar and she is freaking out. An agent is watching over her and offering amenities, but they refuse to say which agency they work for. Jess has been asleep all day and still has no idea where Luke Cage is. All of a sudden, three more well-dressed people enter the room and give the typical Hail Hydra greeting, putting a look of shock and fear all over Jessica's face. So that part's really cheesy, where, like, it really is. Like, did you see Jojo Rabbit? Uh, no, I didn't. I only saw a part of it. I didn't finish oh, it man, it's really, it's really, uh, man, that movie's great. Taika Waititi is really good at making movies. But there's one scene where, like, the Gestapo stopped by, and there's, like, another Nazi there who's kind of, like, a father figure for Jojo. And they just keep, like, they're, they're stuck in, like, a loop of, like, Heil Hitler. Like, they, they just get stuck in that. And that's all I can think about now every time I see this. Like, yeah, anytime I see people just, like, o- open a sentence with Hail Hydra, it's just like, bro, like, you don't have to say it every fucking time. Yeah, no. It's like it's like the guy who's way too eager about the company that he works for. It's, it's like, it reminds me of that, but just, like, on a whole nother level. Yeah, like we know what we're doing here. Like that's the seventh time you've said that today. We don't need yeah. to hear from you, John. 
or whatever the well, fuck. Well, that's the thing. It it's it's funny because it's like such a an antithesis to Cap's Avengers Assemble. And like, I wonder if that's why like it becomes really popular because it's, you know, the two word rallying cry the same way that it's like iconically used by, by heroes. But like, man, it, again, like I think it's like great, like once per issue, maybe like 1.3 times per issue should be like the average use of Hail Hydra in, in a comic book. Is it like, I, are they just saying howdy? Is that like all this is? No, that it, it's, yeah, that that's howdy. I mean, <laughs> okay. It's howdy, but it's also, it's like, howdy, well, yeah, you're right, what a great place to work. Like, <laughs> we're, we're so lucky to be in such a, a, a confident corporate structure like this. Uh, yeah, these dudes are incredibly corny. I, I don't, and like, she was making compelling points, too. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to her compelling points. Um, yeah, God, she, yeah, this was a, this was a really interesting issue. Back at the Bugle, Yurik is trying to track down Jessica when he gets a phone call from former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Al McKenzie, someone who's been a source to Yurik in the past. McKenzie basically tells Yurik that Fury is so screwed on this, that the national security blanket that usually exists for him are out the window this time. Ben still isn't 100% sure what happened, so Al breaks it down for him. Quote, You know that a major city hospital was attacked by a big load of tech-themed terrorists in retaliation for something someone did without the permission of the United States government or the United Nations. You know that a lot of superheroes were targeted for execution. See, you do have a story. Back at the hangar, Jess is speaking to an older woman who identifies as an agent of Hydra. She explains that she didn't want to meet like this. She wanted to go out to dinner or meet somewhere else, but Jess didn't give her a lot of options when she passed that on the street. Uh, she offers to help Jess find Luke Cage, who's been scooped up by S.H.I.E.L.D. Quote, I should clarify, she says, not S.H.I.E.L.D., Fury. Nick Fury did this. Cage is an atomic bomb to Fury. Cage's existence is proof of the secret war. Now, the reason Cage is in trouble is that Nick Fury lied to him, betrayed him. And if Cage somehow survives this betrayal, it'll be a miracle. The good news here is that not even the great Nick Fury is going to be able to dance between these raindrops. Jess looks pissed as hell at the summary of events, but it's not like she's in a position to do anything about it. Back at the Bugle, Yurik is walking Robbie and Jameson through what happened on the call. He explains that Al McKenzie was the middleman between uh, the Bugle and Fury. He's the one who asked him to kill a previous story on Dr. Doom, planning to stage an attack on U.S. soil. And in exchange for respecting national security, they were given a story on Tony Stark. And this was years ago, eight years ago, which means nothing in publishing, but proportionally it means like a long time ago. Because like Peter Parker, I think is like 25, 26 at this point. He started when he was a, a 15 year old. So, and he's been like a 20 something year old for 40 years at this point. So time is relative in comics. So eight years actually sure. means like a significant amount of time in the Dog years. universe. Yeah, ex exactly. Exactly. Uh. Uh, they still have no idea what Fury did, but, quote, uh, he must have done something so bad that his own agents, agents trained to do nothing but obey him, now think it's a good time to really go after him, end quote. Jameson is intrigued, but wants Yurik to keep pursuing. He isn't ready to publish yet. Back in the hangar, this Hydra agent is defending their mission statement to Jess, saying, What he, Fury, fails to understand, what he never understood about Hydra, is that the only difference between us and them is that we don't wrap ourselves in a flag. Which one is terrorism, truly? S.H.I.E.L.D. is not the be-all and end-all of life and liberty. They do not speak for the world. They are not right. They are bullies with deep pockets. They are corporate schools of the worst kind. 
and we will stop them. And Jessica, the reason we brought you here is we want, we would be honored to work with you. We respect you so much. You're a lot like us. You don't conform to this post 9-11 corporate logo society. You do things your own way. If anyone fucks with you, two of us will fuck with them. We will protect you. We will respect you. We will be there for you in any way you need. Need to sock money away for your daughter? We can do that for you. Want to just improve the quality of your life once a baby is born? We can do that. And we can do it in ways no one will ever know it came from us. We can set you up with a job or appointment or lottery win. All on the books, all legit. All we need from you is information. That's it. A tip here, a tip there. You have access to the Daily Bugle. You have access to the Avengers. You have access to Stark, to Captain fucking America. You have access to information like no one else. Information that will save the rest of the clear-thinking world from the tyranny of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, to sweeten that job offer, this agent just hands Jessica what must be at least $40,000. Jessica's eyes light up like a Christmas tree. She makes sure this agent has no idea where Luke is before adding, This is a really big brick. How am I going to shove it up your ass? Yeah, that's just that's Jessica Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Just then a dozen shield agents careen through the hangar skylight and take out all the Hydra agents. They're led by Clay Quartermain, an agent uh, that Jess called previously and an ex-boyfriend of hers as well. They tracked her phone and they were listening to make sure that Jess was on the side of the angels before making their move. They take back the money Hydra offered Jess and tell her they genuinely don't know where Luke is. The heartache on Jess's face is palpable and terrifying. Because of the cash that they took. Uh, yeah, but she doesn't give a shit about her husband anymore. Or, yeah. Sorry, not not husband, not fiance, yeah. her boyfriend. Her boyfriend. Her, her daughter's uh, father. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's bullshit. Just let her have the fucking money. Why not? Yeah, let her have the fucking money. What difference does it make at this what point? What difference does it make? That's just going to sit in a fucking cell inside of a fucking basement forever. Yeah, what is it? Just evidence at this point? It's like, what? Like, what is S.H.I.E.L.D. going to do that? Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe it's spoils of war. I don't know what the fuck they do with it. But oh god, what's it called when cops are able to just like take money from people? Uh, theft. No, well, yeah, theft. <laughs> but oh god, uh, what was it called? What was it called? John Oliver had a really good story on it. Uh, basically, what they do in the wire. Uh, let's see. Uh, no, that's not. They just grab some money off him, you know? It's just it's like what Luke Cage does. He's real good. He's real good at it. Uh, it's like unlawful seizure. What's it called? When they just like take property. Oh, it's yeah, like yeah, if, yeah. if you have like X amount of money on you, they can just take it because they think it might be involved with a crime. Right, 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 right. Hey, everyone. Future George here stepping in for Pat George as he takes an L. The word he couldn't remember was civil forfeiture. That's the word, uh, the phrase that he couldn't remember. Civil forfeiture. So, you're welcome, Past George. Love you, bye. Right. Yeah, yeah. one of those. Uh, it feels like that because it's it's it, like I said, forty grand. I have no idea. It was like a, a relatively a couple big good brick. bricks, and she had more yeah. bricks. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't know what. I don't know what money looks like. I record a fucking podcast out of, <laughs> out of my uh, little home in on an island off the coast of Maine, where there's <laughs> no sunlight after two thirty p.m. So, like, I don't really know what a lot of money looks like. That said, it looked like a lot, but it didn't look like a lot for Shield. Like how, fu- like how much gas would that get them in the helicarrier? That would get them right. from fucking like what the Bronx to Manhattan. Like who gives a <laughs> shit? Like it's not going to do them any good. 
Yeah, but for one single person, and then she tried to get to like her, you know, heartstrings with, the, you know, talking about the baby and uh, being able to save money for it and you know take care of it and protect her. Um, but she's also offering uh, eugenics, so that's a little scary. Um, she did bring up a good point of uh, taking, you know, like calling Shield out, but this is definitely like a. Uh, we'll give you money to run our stories, right? To like spread our ideologies. No, I think she just wanted tips about like where Cap would be on certain days, where Nick Fury would be. Like they were paying her to be an informant for Hydra. But I mean, she's like alluding to like, you know, having a lot of um, connections, you know, there with the, with the Daily Bugle. I don't know. I'm just assuming that if you work for, uh, Hydra <laughs> that you at some point would kind of get swept into it, right? A little bit. Yeah, I assume that their mission is to radicalize people who are in a position to help spread their spread their ideology. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty safe to assume. I mean, she's definitely talking about wanting to take S.H.I.E.L.D. down, right? That they're in a position right now to yeah. be able to exploit them and, and call them out for all the things that they've done. Um, but, you know, it's Hydra. Yeah. And we're not, uh, man, I, I love this podcast. It's super time consuming to like do all this stuff and to actually like organize times to sit down and record. Thank you, Fabio, for being so amenable to, whoop, whoop. you know, just like random, like, hey, are you free to record? Do you have time to read this story and to cover that stuff? It's a shame that we just don't have more time to cover everything because going on in the Ultimate Universe right now is a story called Ultimates 2. And it was like a 13 issue arc and it was all about every enemy of shield coming together to take down shield and the ultimates. And it's like one of the coolest fucking comic books I've ever read in my entire life. It is fantastic, but unfortunately it's a different continuity and we just don't have time. Maybe, maybe down the road, I would love to do like an ultimate universe deep dive because I've read a lot of it, but not all of it. And man, it'd be super fun to just dive into the stories I haven't covered yet. So Hydra, um, Hydras, they they're they're Nazis, right? Like, yeah. So Hydra was like an offshoot. Hydra was like an offshoot of like Red Skull, and then he also had this other offshoot called AIM, Advanced Idea Mechanics, and that was in Iron Man three, the the Shane Black directed and written Iron Man movie that came out right after the first Avengers. And uh, they're also like using, they're like Nazi scientists, basically. So okay. there's. If you're, like, familiar with, like, classic comics, Hydra agents have, like, the weird green and yellow, like, ghillie suits where they've got, like, you know, like, a weird mask on with, like, uh, goggles sort of, like, over their eyes. They just look ridiculous. And then AIM, basically, they're called, like, beekeepers where they're just in, like, yellow costumes that have, like, big cylindrical helmets on and they've got, like, a a Darth Vader-esque, like, mouthpiece in front of their helmet. Okay. Like, they all look they all look really stupid. But yeah, they all stem from Nazis. And, like, one thing they've been trying to do lately is to, like, distinguish themselves from Nazis. And so, like, yes, we started as, like, a, a fascist movement, but, like, now we're basically eco-terrorists. And I'm like, okay, that's at least, like, more interesting huh. and, like, a little bit more sympathetic than anything Nazi. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I guess... Uh, still, ultimately, bad guys though, and everything they they appear. Well, in. what's interesting is too is it, they might be eco fascist, uh, which is like an entirely other offshoot where they do believe in like preserving, you know, the planet and you know keeping like Mother Nature safe or whatever, and being one with the Earth. But that also comes along with eliminating unlikables, <laughs> so that they can keep 
you know, things the way they okay. want. So yeah, that's, that's also a thing. So I don't know if that's what that comics, you know, delving into as well, but I don't know enough about the subject to really comment super heavily. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned though. that because that is interesting. Uh, but yeah, I don't and know those, a whole lot about it. When I say idea. recently, I mean like within the past like five years. Okay. Like okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a little, it's, I got actually way more into DC comics in the last five years than I okay. ever was before, just because they made it really easy to get into all their books. Marvel, I think was like kind of a, uh, kind of tough because they just had so many back-to-back events and so many different like publishing directives that like featured certain characters but like removed other characters so it's not that like i think marvel comics have been worse the past five years i just think it's been like harder to get into so i've been like slowly edging away uh certain elements to like get into like the meat of marvel but i really really got into dc so like what i was referencing was something really recent and okay uh, not not pertaining to this story or gotcha, gotcha. Any, any story we're going to talk about anytime soon. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but um, yeah. So I don't know a whole lot about Hydra, and I, it does. I mean, she did mention uh, in one part of it being able to, you know, from what it seemed like, modify the baby <laughs> uh, <laughs> to be able to, you know, keep it to to to, to enhance it or whatever. Well, it's funny. I mentioned earlier Spider-Man: The Origin. I think um, a good buddy Sean, I think, is actually going to come on for that one. Unless Fabi, you'd like to join, you're more than welcome to join for that one as well because it will be talking about Hydra. Uh, however, that was totally what that story was about: was like, just gene modification on, okay. on children trying to create like a, a better uh, agent. And it's funny because we're actually not going to talk about Hydra that much going forward because we're right on the verge of civil war uh breaking out in the marvel universe and that was like hero versus hero so like honestly a lot of the villains kind of took a back seat for a couple years and it wasn't until the events of a, a book called siege you where they like, all just the, like the... went to cancun and just like kicked it <laughs> they're like Let no them man, it. <laughs> it, it, man, it's it's so fucking awesome and like there's a reason i wanted to cover norman osborne being imprisoned on this on this show and we're going to talk about that but that's going to come back way later i'm really excited to get to that point because that's going to be like 60 episodes in okay and then i could take a week off and just republish that episode all about norman osborne getting <laughs> and give give myself a break to to read more books and write more scripts <laughs> all right you ready to, to bring it home we're about to talk about yeah, the heaviest issue let's do it all right issue nine safely back in the daily bugle office jess reads jameson the riot act I'm pregnant. I'm being chased by fucking Hydra agents. My boyfriend is missing. Something is going on, and you just turn your back on me? You're dead to me. You know how many awful things I've heard about you over the years? How many things I've heard? They're all true. She storms off, and completely unfazed, Jameson asks Yurik to bring her back in. Out in front of the building, Cat Farrell... Uh, again, didn't put it together until you mentioned it. Cat Farrell and Yurik are trying to get her back in. Well, Yurik is. Cat is trying to get a byline in exchange for helping her find Luke because she's smarmy as hell. And I kind of like that about her. Outside is Shield Agent Al McKenzie. He tries to introduce himself to Jess, but she pulls a reversal and throws his ass into a newsstand. He assures her he can kick her ass, but he makes a habit to not hit women, so especially, when, especially when they're pregnant. He you gives know, her. I could ass. kill you. I just, don't, I just don't want to right now <laughs> you could have at least blocked it jesus that has really good like third grade energy yeah right? <laughs> i could totally kick your ass i just don't want to right now <laughs> uh i don't know why every third grader sounds like napoleon dynamite in my head but they do I mean, it's not wrong it's, it's probably accurate 
Uh, he gives her an address upstate and tells her that's where Cage is. They go upstate and the address is a hole-in-the-wall dive bar. Yurik thinks they've been lied to, but Jess presses on. Inside a small room in the back, she finds a wasted Wolverine who just starts aggressively hitting on her. Unapologetically. Yeah, he's pretty fucking raunchy whenever uh, Does Bendis... Bendis that's what I was going to ask. Does Bendis like, kind of hate Logan or something? Or is this Logan in other books as well? Because in X-Men, he was never this like shitty. No, uh, I think he likes Wolverine. I, I think he does. I think back then he was just like ultimate machismo. And I think okay. I think machismo has sort of changed drastically since this book came out to today. Like our definition of masculine and positive masculinity has changed a lot since yeah, that's fair. This book this book came out. And God, I think he was re- reflecting what masculinity meant in the early 2000s. Where he was just like, you know, a heavy drinking, cigar smoking, ass grabbing piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, said, he's being a major piece of shit right now. Well, that said, also, like, I wonder how much of an influence the movies were, right? Because it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, it's Wolverine, a.k.a. Hugh fucking Jackman. Who yeah. wouldn't want Hugh Jackman hidden on them, right? Ugh. Even though, like, the Wolverine in the comics, like, the one thing they fucked up with Wolverine in the movies is that Wolverine is supposed to be like five foot four. Like he's supposed to be like a little scrawny right. guy. And like when he first started, like his his claws were like what, like five inches, five and a half inches. And like they eventually just like made him like six two and like gave him like 18 inch long claws that just like popped out. And it's like, oh, that seems really useful. Not at all like a Wolverine's claws, which is like where he got his name from. But, <laughs> I mean, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah, he definitely takes out his, takes out his massive fucking claws. They are huge. You're right. It's like yeah. double the size of her head. Well, that they they look like kitchen knives, and like they used to just be like little like pokers that would like come out. You know, right, like, right, like ch- like chopstick thickness. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. They look uh, he, yeah, God, they look great, especially when he like turns them to the side, and like you can see like a reflection in the claws. That's yeah. always the best. That's like yeah. one of my favorite Wolverine things. Yeah. Uh, so he's aggressively hitting on Jess. Uh, he even grabs her until she promises her boyfriend will kick his ass. And he goes, oh, yeah? And who's that? Luke Cage, she says. He drops her immediately once he smells the shit that he's stepped in. Uh, so not great that uh, he's only, you know, letting her go when she mentions uh, her boyfriend. That's not yep. great. Not great. Uh, how- however, it is uh, really interesting to see that Luke Cage is someone who actually makes Wolverine, like, hesitant and, I don't want to say afraid. But, uh, you know, he's just like, oh, shit, Luke Cage. I'm going to yeah. step off. Yeah, but I mean, like, they're definitely implying that if she didn't have a Luke boyfriend, he, a boyfriend he, would, he would have he would, aggressively, like... He continued hitting on her, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's assault. Like, I yeah, <laughs> I was say, that's, yeah that's, that is assault. It's, it's a lot. Uh, in their shared confusion of the moment, Jess confides that she's only there because S.H.I.E.L.D. lied to her. The mere mention of S.H.I.E.L.D. sends Wolverine up a wall. Get out, he says. No more shield. No more fury. No more hydra with the hands. No more. Stop raping me. All of you, stop raping me. So it's he's so ref- Oh my it's, god. It's so heavy, yeah. So he's referencing what happened in Secret War, but also this is not the first time Wolverine has had his mind wiped and made into a weapon. Uh, down the road in the show, we're going to cover what was happening in his own series where he was mind-jacked by Hydra. It's a kick-ass story. It's actually written by Mark Millar, the guy I was talking about earlier who wrote yeah. The Ultimates and The Ultimates 2. He wrote Superman Red Sun, like really great comic book writer. Uh, but 
and it's like a super fun story where the first six issues are him. Uh, it's called Wolverine agent of Hydra and it's him being mind controlled by Hydra sent after all these like high value targets in the superhero community. And then it's him finally breaking free. And then the last six issues, last six issues of that 12 issue arc are a Wolverine agent of shield where it's him getting revenge on Hydra for everything they did to him. Super fun story. Uh, I can't wait to cover it, but it is completely recontextualized by this scene. And it's made to be fucking heartbreaking. And given Jess's experience with the purple man, she really feels for him because she has also been in a position where she has been violated and taken advantage of and uh, completely against her will. And she is just feeling for Wolverine in this moment, despite him being a dick to her 30 seconds earlier. Mm, That does have a lot of context. Okay. That adds a lot. Yurik comes in and they all realize they're in a wild goose chase until Wolverine pieces it all together. He says, your mystery agent wanted you to come here and piss me off enough so that I'd lose it and go try to kill Fury. They know I could after all the crap I've been through. They know I want to put everyone out of his misery. They want him dead for what he's done. And they ain't wrong, at least in theory. Cat pushes Wolverine to go on the record and he walks away saying, I hope you find Cage. He says, he's a good guy. I know four of them. He's one. You'll find him. There aren't many places a sick superhero can hide safely. That last line triggers something in Yurik, who suddenly knows where Cage is. Back in Manhattan, they make their way up the stairs to the clinic of the Night Nurse, a secret spot where the heroes of New York can get patched up when they've been hurt, and that is Rosario Dawson's character in Netflix's Daredevil show. Yup. Once, uh, once she gets into the Night Nurse's office, she's stopped by Misty Knight and a bunch of armed swordsmen. Danny Rand, Luke's longtime best friend and superhero partner known as Iron Fist, orders them to remove Jessica but not hurt the baby. He then gives a little monologue, and I think he goes way out of line. Uh, He says, in my eyes, in this situation, you're just a girl he knows, and I don't know where you came from. All I know is that Luke's in danger, and I don't know you well enough to trust that you aren't part of the problem. Like, he was in the hospital with her, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, why this flip? Like, he was there. He saw what was going on. He saw her heartbreak. He saw, like, it's very, it's it's very stupid. Yeah. And so she says, yes, Danny, you are his brother, and this is his baby. And then he says back, says you. <laughs> Which, come on, man. Fucking ridiculous. It is fucking ridiculous. Uh, it's not technically out of character because he's doing it to protect Luke, but man, just what what a dick way to handle things. Yeah, it's right? definitely, um, it makes me not be interested in Iron Fist. Even more. Uh, I, I hear you. I totally get it. The Iron Fist series that would come out in, I want to say 2007. Yeah, that feels right. 2007. Like one of the coolest fucking comic books I've ever read in my entire life because it's basically it establishes Iron Fist as like a legacy, like a title. So it's not just like he is Iron Fist. It's like, oh, there was an Iron Fist 80 years ago and 200 years ago and 10,000 years ago and all this okay. shit. And then it eventually becomes like a Kung Fu, like a martial arts tournament between like the seven mystical cities of heaven. Wow. And he's like one of the representatives. Yeah. Don't you want to read that comic? Yeah, that sounds tight. Yeah. And it's cool because he doesn't just fucking talk out of his ass to his best friends. <laughs> uh, soon to be white. After four. Uh, sorry, I skipped ahead. Uh, he's arguing uh, to be the one that protects Luke, not her. Uh, she demands to see Luke and tells him that she's going through that door. Finally, Misty Knight comes to her senses and convinces Iron Fist to let her through. After four issues of searching, she finally sees Luke, who is awake and talking. 
Jess breaks down and says she loves him for the first time, and he says it back. He asks if the baby is okay and if Danny is taking care of her. She looks back at the doorway to an arm cross Iron Fist and tells Luke, yes, he is taking care of me. All of a sudden, a hologram of Nick Fury pops up and he apologizes profusely to them and Jess doesn't care. She screams at him to get the fuck out of their lives and he promises he will. Even after all this, Jess still doesn't know why any of this happened and Fury says, you'll find out soon enough. Cat's out of the bag now. Back at the Bugle, Robertson and Jameson are looking over the mock front page for the issue that breaks Nick's Fury's secret war to the public. They discuss and realize that if they publish this story, they could start a war, and without a complete picture of the events, they'll never know why. The next edition of the Bugle publishes, and it has a picture of Spider-Man on the cover, calling him a menace, with details on the Murdoch trial, uh, sorry, the Murdoch trial on page four. And that was it. That was the tie-in. That was uh, that was everything that was happening to Jessica Jones while Luke Cage was indisposed during Secret War. And man, I wish the uh, I wish the shipping schedule had been better for both books because I think the pulse would have lasted a lot longer. I think it lasted fourteen issues, maybe thirteen issues. I think that book could have gone on a ways if uh, it wasn't marred by just such a random shipping schedule. Yeah. It's a lot like podcasts. The reason people love this podcast is because <laughs> it comes out every week. It's reliable. Every Wednesday, <laughs> new comic book day. Did that on purpose. <laughs> no, yeah, this was uh, this was really good. And in uh, fashion of the secret wars, it remains a secret. So, yeah. Like, that's that's it. Like, that's just the way it goes, is that the, the public will never find out the truth. Uh about this horrible shit that killed a bunch of people. Uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, is that typical of like a Marvel comic? Just just like horrible things happening and just cover-ups? Or is this just a special event? I mean, kind of. There's actually way more context to this just because it's like, oh, well, at least there's a reason why no one seems affected by it. Whereas, you know, there's like major earth shattering events that happen in comics all the time. It's like, how are people still skeptical of, of superheroes and supervillains when like, you know, Thanos has snapped his fingers and made half the fucking universe disappear. Right, right. Or like they've seen the X-Men put their lives on the lines for him, you know, and like they're still hesitant about accepting mutants in their lives. Like, get the fuck out of here. Come yeah, on, yeah, yeah. And so we were talking about this a little bit. On a, on a previous episode, but like Marvel really operates comic books in general, but like Marvel, especially just because I've been reading a lot of Marvel lately, really just sort of operates in cycles. And it's a little bit, you know, how like the sun has like intense super heat and then it like phases off or whatever. It's a little bit like that where like, okay, so we're in like a long run of continuity where every story is sort of building on top of each other to a certain point. And then all of a sudden we're going to get to like a big sort of new status quo setting event. And then that becomes a new sort of like launching on point for the universe. Got it. But okay. we're still like between major events right now. Secret War, for all of its goals, uh, it was not like a line wide event. It was just like a mini series that happened that involved all these major characters. And as far as I can tell, I think this is the only tie in. And the only reason it was a tie in was because Brian Michael Bendis was also writing the book that had a lot right. of the same characters. And so once we get to House of M, that sets up a completely new paradigm that Marvel Universe will have to navigate. That goes into Civil War, sets up a completely new one. That leads into Secret Invasion, sets up a completely new one, uh, which leads into Siege, and then everything is different again. And okay. so you, basically all books sort of exist and coexist with between these events. And 
their vibes change and then all of a sudden new books come out because it's a response to like the big event. So we're between, I guess not even between, we're like right before house event before there's a major shift that happens in the Marvel universe. And so that's why things remain relatively unchanged because the big line wide event hasn't forced them to change yet. Do you think that comics would benefit from more of like a graphic novel approach? Like 110%. Okay. Like I wonder, I wonder if artists and writers would also benefit from that or if the periodical, like, you know, uh, uh, type of releases where it's like, you know, you get it every month or, you know, whatever it is. uh, If that's like a better schedule, like, but I, I just feel like if they were just kind of like, stories in their own little um universe you know like there's their own little one shots uh mm-hmm. it would be a lot easier to like follow and be able to see what a writer is writing and not, instead of having to, it, to affect everything else you could, is it just a sales thing or are they just trying to sell more ips like what's what how does that work I don't know. That's a great question. I've actually reached out to some people and I think we're actually getting like a former associate editor and then editor of, of Marvel on this podcast. I don't want to say anything cause I don't want to like jinx it. Uh, however, I think we're getting someone on and man, I am, I just got a billion questions for them. I'm so excited to get into I'm it. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely because interesting. DC has sort of like experimented with this a little bit and Marvel to its credit sort of did too, where like DC was doing this, what was called earth one. And that was like a series of graphic novels that all take place on like a new earth with new continuity. So there was Superman Earth One, and then like once every two years, there would be like a new book just because it was like, you know, 150 pages, 160 pages, which comes out to the equivalent of like 12 issues or like six or seven issues, you know, like it's just like the equivalent of that. And so like in that case, I'm like, well, is there anything really different than publishing one book a year as opposed to 12 chapters a year? You know, know, like is is there an an inherent difference? I canceled all my X-Men books that I was getting. I was getting, I, there's no comic shop around here in Maine, unfortunately, that I can drive to easily, at least. There's one like an hour away, but I'm not doing that. Uh, so I still get my books shipped from San Francisco, my old shop there. I took you there. We bought some magic Yeah, cards I there. love that place. Yeah, it was fun. Cards and Comic Central, if you're ever in the Bay Area. Super fun place on Geary. Uh, I canceled all my X-Men books and I started just ordering because they finally, they did what I've always wanted them to do, where instead of having like Marauders X volume one x-men volume one wolverine volume one they started doing what was called dawn of x volume one and that was like all the different issues from all the different series in sequential reading order Ooh, that's nice and so they did like the first 17 volumes of that then they had a big crossover and then that was that was like its own book and then they started doing reign of x which was like the next saga of of the x-men stories so i've got every x-men comic from the past like two maybe three years just like in sequential order yeah yeah for like dawn of x volume one through 15 one through 16 or whatever and i'm like oh that's really fucking cool that's pretty tight yeah no and i kind of like kind of like that a lot (laughs) yeah i i really i really think that that would be such a nice way to be able to tell stories because they're you know it only kind of exists within itself and Mm. i feel like we've talked about this a few times where sometimes they'll use throwaway villains just to be able to not have to worry about them you know yeah uh about who gets killed or whatever but um i don't know i just wonder if the writers would benefit more from like being able to tell a story versus i have to use these specific characters 
Well, that, and I wonder how much the artists would benefit too, right? Where like yeah. if you're just not if you're not on just like a monthly schedule, right, right. Uh, there's a meme that's like really popular that I've seen where it's just like, oh, you want to read Avengers? Well, you could start either here in 2015, you could start here in 2012, you could start here in 2005, you could start here in 1998, you could start here in 96 you could start here in 1963 and it's like you could start with avengers number one for all those years and then like on the next panel it's just like oh so you want to read dragon ball start with volume one you know <laughs> like, it, was just, it was just so much fucking simpler to do it right right and yeah. i think that's one that's one thing that i think manga probably has over the uh the western comics industry is just sort of ease of entry right because like you've got the akira hardcover set right yeah yeah i do i got that as a gift and it's fucking incredible and it just makes you know obviously having everything in order makes it so much easier uh yeah and i wonder if comics you think comics could ever go to that medium or do you think that it's the business the way it exists now is too planted i think it's just like too familiar like it's one of those like creature comforts that like you just ne- don't sort of like yeah up. yeah I miss going to a comic book shop. I really, really do. Because there were so many books that, like, I would have, like, my main books that I would have, like, a subscription to, basically. Where every week they would pull Captain America, they'd pull Green Lantern, they'd pull Batman, they'd pull Wonder Woman. They'd put all the stuff that I'd signed up for and put it in my box. But I'd show up and I'd be like, okay, I know exactly how much money I'm here to spend today. And then I would look at the wall and be like, all right, but what else is out there? And I'd just be, like, kind of excited. And, like, that's what I, that's what helped me get into so many books was just, like, you know, the days where there was only three issues that I had to pick up out of my box and be like, oh, I've got some extra money to spend. Like, I got 20 bucks. Like, I can go get, like, two or three more books off the wall and, and just get into them that way. So, like, I think it is really exciting. I think it makes it feel like more of a lived-in universe, especially yeah, with tie-ins yeah. like this. Like, the, the shipping logistics aside, that sucks. Like, that, like I said, really takes the wind out of the sails for this event and any kind of momentum that, like, these series w- would have just because they get forgotten, you know? Right, right. Uh, but like, man, it's just, it is really cool to like go to like when civil war was happening, they had this really sick, like uh, cover scheme where basically the bottom half of the front cover would be white. And then the top half would be like painted and then it'd be like the character's title in the middle. And so it was really cool going to like the comic book store back then. And you just like, look at the wall and just see like every book was affected by civil war because they all had this like, yeah that's cool co- cover layout yeah and yeah final yeah. crisis did a very similar thing where it had like uh like borders on just like the right and left and then like the cover art was like in the middle strip and so you could just see all these books that like were interconnected that's and exciting like, yeah yeah and like that's really cool and so like because of that like i grabbed a whole bunch like i read the first six issues of miss marvel i wasn't really feeling it so i stopped reading it this was the 2005 Miss Marvel back with uh, Carol. And then Civil War came out. It's just like, fuck, that's like the that's the one I don't have. All right, I'll grab I'll grab that issue of Miss Marvel off the wall. Because like I'm really into Civil War and I want to see where this shit right, goes. Right, right. So it's really tough because I think that is probably like the more fun way to do comics is the way it's currently being done right now. But I don't yeah. think it's the best I don't think it's the best way to do comics. And also like Fuck me. Like, if Marvel were to release, like, three volume paperbacks at the end of every month of just, like, here's everything we published this week and, like, or this month, you just had, like, you know, January 2021. And that was just existing as, like, a book on your shelf. Like, I wonder how that would do. Like, right, right. I remember torrenting that stuff when I was in college, you know, because I was broke and uh, living in England. And, like, I was only torrenting books that, like, I was 
currently paying for like in burlington that was my excuse because i was just like oh, I, I live in england right now i can't read boy. i gotta find out what spider-man's up to right now and uh man they would just like release it by the week and be like here's every comic book that came out this week i'm like fuck this is really good this is really convenient <laughs> like, this is such a good way to do things so yeah, i'm not yeah. sure i'm not sure what the right answer is no yeah no it's it's definitely something i've wondered about just because of how difficult it is to know where to start um but yeah, uh, I'd, I'd love to see more in that. And I, I guess Marvel Unlimited makes that a whole lot easier, too. Like having these yeah, like, it, subscription services. It really does. And there's like nothing more exciting than going to Marvel Unlimited now. I managed to catch up on a whole bunch of current series. I'm currently really enjoying Spider-Woman. I'm really enjoying Black Cat. Thor is awesome right now. Captain America book, I think, just ended as the Black Panther because the writer Ta-Nehisi Coates uh, is leaving Marvel, which I don't blame him. I think he's probably like lost a lot of money writing for Marvel. Mm. Um, but man, there's like a lot of like really good books right now, and it's kind of nice going to like the what's new in Marvel Unlimited this week and just like browsing through all the series and seeing like oh shit, like I did want to read that. Oh, here's a new number one. Like yeah, I'll, I'll read the Defenders. Yeah, I'll, I'll check that out. See what's going on over there. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it makes it a lot easier. Um very excited to see uh you know what whatever happens in the future i guess to see if that ever changes because like the whole comic book shop experience is definitely uh not my favorite anymore um it's not and the one thing i don't understand is like how books are getting more expensive but artists aren't being paid more yeah you know like creators aren't being paid more to, to work on this shit yeah it's a bummer and so like i just I'm pretty sure House of M was like either $2.99 or $3.99 for each issue. I think it was $2.99. And like, I'm not going to say like the quality is incredible. Like, you know, it had like really yeah. gorgeous, glossy paper. It had really nice like cardstock covers and it had like at, stunning Assad Ribic covers with Brian Michael Bendis scripts and, uh, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Olivier Cop uh, Copwell, I think he's a French guy, was doing like some of the most insane art I've ever seen. Like it's a really high quality product. But it was two ninety nine, you know, and I'm just like, okay, this is like what it should cost for this. And now, like those books are like four ninety nine or five ninety nine, and like the artists aren't getting paid that much more. The writers aren't getting paid that much more. And it's like, how have you doubled the price of your books in the last fifteen years, and these people still aren't like living? I Gotta guess, buy like, that sixth house, baby. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, yes. like you know, even even in graphic novel format, it's not like they get paid the best either. Look at whatever the fuck they've done to alan moore you know yeah um so yeah it's a bummer uh let's start our own comic book company where we just let them figure it out we don't do hey that sounds do anything that sounds great to me yeah let's yeah. do that yeah i know you and i have a lot of business ventures on the horizon i can't wait to start and oh my god them. yeah we'll do all of them <laughs> it's gonna be great you can make our comics out of hemp <laughs> <laughs> sustainable our yeah. apps are sustainable. <laughs> then you can smoke them. <laughs> uh, all right. Any, uh, any, wow. That was actually, that was a really good discussion on uh, the current, <laughs> current publishing uh, paradigm that we're dealing with. But any final thoughts on Secret War and the Secret War tie-in? Is that it? Is that the end of the Secret Wars? That's the, uh, nine, that's the end of the Secret War as we're talking about it on this podcast. As far oh, okay. as I know, that is the end-to-end of Secret War. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I like it. Uh, I did like the alternative perspective. I think it was really fun to see Jessica's journey, and it added like a whole lot. And then also you just giving me some of that context about Hydra and 
what Wolverine had been through and all that, like that all adds a lot more uh, levels to it. So yeah, this, this was, this was a really fun book. Um, glad I had you adding some of that shit to it. That makes a lot more sense to me. <laughs> hey man, glad I, glad I could help. Um, stick with me for just a second. Cause I've got, uh, all right, I've got the gonna... schedule for upcoming okay. books. I think this is going to be one of the first episodes you hear in the new year. And so I just want to give you guys a little preview of what we're going to be talking about coming up because I do really want to get to house of M, but there's some other stuff I want to talk about. Uh, we're going to be talking about some more new adventures. Got to cover what's happening with the century there. I want to talk about astonishing X-Men, but it's a sequel basically to what Grant Morrison did on new X-Men. So I think I'm going to play around with a new format idea where I cover 50 issues in an episode. Holy like the shit. entire 50 issue run where I just do broad strokes of the Grant Morrison run. Okay. If that's something you'd want to do, because I know you love X-Men. This is, I think one of the defining X-Men titles of the, of the last 20 years or so. And so just, I was just going to talk about the broad strokes of what happened in that run. And I also want to do the same for Daredevil because like this short box summary, the intention was to talk about everything sort of going forward and talking about how like all this stuff sort of contributed to like one main narrative that ran through the Marvel universe. However, man, there's some kick-ass comics that I'm afraid we're just not going to talk about if we just stick to that. Yeah. And I'm dying to talk about new X-Men. I'm dying to talk about Daredevil. Yeah. No, that sounds really fun. Um... And uh, as we got to talk about Wolverine now, because that 12 issue arc with a uh, agent of shield agent of Hydra, that stuff was incredibly fun. Yeah, no, that then, sounds incredible. I'm very excited to hear some of those because that sounds like you're doing a lot of the leg legwork for me, and I like that. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. Well, that is uh, that's what's on the horizon over here at Shortbox Summary. Thank you so much for listening. We're recording this on New Year's Eve, so by the time you hear this, we'll be not well into 2022, but uh, firmly into 2022, we'll say. So I hope the beginning of your year is off to a great start. Fabio, any plans for 2022? Um, I'm planning for 2022 to be exponentially worse than the last two years, which have been the same year. So, uh, just worse of the same year forever and ever till I'm dead. That's my, yeah, I hate 2022. I, I hate to sound like that old guy from big daddy, but right now my five-year plan is don't die. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm working with over here. Uh, cool. Well, uh, good luck. Thanks, and see we'll you too. Don't doubt. We'll be, we'll be talking. We'll be talking about comic books. <laughs> pull, pull you out of the pit when we need to. <laughs> and to all a Merry Christmas. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to Shortbox Summary. If you are listening to this episode, that means you can explain to a friend how to listen to this episode. So please do that if you are so inclined. Also, please feel free to leave uh, leave a review on uh, on your podcast of choice. That would really be cool and help get the word to more people. The reason I want more people to listen to this show is that if it has more clout, I could get some guests on. And so, like I said, I've got a couple of guests lined up uh, who like have actually worked in the comic book industry, talking to an artist and talking to a former editor. But man, the bigger the show is, the more likely that shit is to happen. And that would be incredibly cool. Man, I'd love to do that so freaking bad just yeah. to have people to come on and talk about their craft. So please spread so the word questions. of Shortbox Summary. Fabio, do you want people to reach you on any kind of socials or anything? Sure, yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Sabio Fantana. Yeah, reach him there. Super fun, super fun guy. Really supportive guy. I'm he likes barely on it, but you can you can hit me up. 
I guess. When he's on it, he, when he's on it, he likes your tweets and it makes you feel special. So thank you, Fabio. <laughs> you can follow the show and get updates about the podcast uh, at purplebird616 on Twitter. I've just kind of been posting. I've been reading a lot of comics for fun recently. Nothing I think I'm going to cover on the show. Oh, you do that really, just for fun? It's been really nice. Yeah, I mean, I don't sleep, really. I've got uh, pretty bad insomnia. I'm pretty bad hypochondria. So I'm just up late thinking about all the ways I'm not going to enact my five-year plan of not dying it's super fun so that leaves so much room for 2003 comic books like nightcrawler and emma frost and i think i'm going to start mystique after this i'm pretty excited hey man measure twice cut once you know think about it a couple times save your life or something is that a what's measure is is that a drug twice no measure twice cut what well i mean no it could be it probably i was just thinking you know when you're doing any type of carpentry and you Oh, I was thinking for cocaine or wrists. I couldn't no. tell which I couldn't tell which one you were uh, warning me about. <laughs> no, I'm just saying if you're thinking about dying and how to avoid it, maybe uh, you'll be successful. You've measured twice, cut once. You oh, okay. It, hey, yeah. I'm just gonna, gonna put, that, put that in my back pocket. Yeah, yeah put thank that you. on your resume. Yeah, cool. Appreciate it. God, where were you last night when I was applying for yabbies? Everyone checks their job application receipts right like it's uh, on on friday december 31st everyone does that yeah so good yeah, thing yeah, i stayed yeah. up all good thing i stayed up all night last night applying to jobs super great yeah it's Woo! Great. <laughs> you know what they say apply for the jobs you want not the jobs you have yeah everyone's working on the years yeah it's perfect thank you so much for listening to short box we will be back next week where we will probably be talking about young avengers with elijah and austin Thank you so much. Please look forward to that. We will talk to you soon. Enjoy the beginning of the year. Your year. Yay. Yay. Happy New Year. Thank you for listening. Love you. Bye.